0: This podcast is made possible by OneStream Software and U.S. Bank.
1: Hello, this is Randall Bolton. I'm a longtime Silicon Valley CFO and the author of Painting with Numbers, presenting financials and other numbers so people will understand you.
0: Welcome to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 420. any type of move there are risks and
1: and this one um, I wasn't so much concerned about the risk attached with is it right from a business perspective or an experience perspective it was more quite frankly family oriented and uh, you know moving locations from North Carolina here to, to Indianapolis uh always takes you know, a lot of consideration and, and thought process, but at the end of the day, uh, my wife and I thought it was you know, a, a good move.
0: From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. We often talk about business decision-making on CFO Thought Leader. But on today's show, we're going to talk a little about private or home life decision-making. I'd argue that decisions concerning your private life can be far more impactful on your career success than any you make in the office. Let me put it this way. Think about stress at home versus stress in the office. Which one would you like to avoid more? You can always change jobs, but home life is far more complex. And uh, we don't intentionally interview our guests about their private lives, but every once in a while, it pops up in our discussions and I, I thought We could highlight today some of the finance leaders who let us know how as they reflect back personal decision making, private life, home life decision making was a critical component in their success and career building. We begin after these words from our sponsor. When it comes to supporting effective decision making, finance and IT leaders are facing an unprecedented challenge amidst increasing business complexity, exploding data volumes, and market volatility. OneStream software reduces the complexity of financial operations by unleashing the power of finance with a unified platform for planning, financial close, and consolidation. Reporting and analytics. OneStream helps finance leaders empower the enterprise with financial and operational insights to support faster and more informed decision making, all in a platform designed to continually evolve and scale with your organization. To learn more, visit OneStreamSoftware.com. Hi, it's Jack. At the start of our episode today, uh, you heard the voice of Patrick Shannon, who is CFO of a legion. During our interview, uh, Patrick explained how a number of years back, he was selected to be CFO of a massive spinoff from Ingersoll Rand. Uh, it's a type of opportunity that comes along very infrequently, and one, given his experience, Patrick was an ideal candidate to fill. Now, looking back, Patrick recalled, from a home life perspective, it was not as straightforward. Stress at home versus stress in the office. The decision to take on the role was a no-brainer, right? Not really. I received another surprising response from Juan Figueroa, who some of you might recall, he was the retired CFO of Revlon, who served in multiple CFO roles at Newell Brands, Cot Beverages. He climbed the ranks at Pepsi. He was CFO of Frito-Lay Europe, which was owned by Pepsi at that time, and he even served in a general manager capacity for Frito-Lay for the Dominican Republic, which is where he jumps back to the States. But into a VP of development job at Walmart. I asked him why didn't he jump to a CFO role? It seemed it seemed clear that his resume would have allowed him to do so. Why not? Here's what he shared. <laughs>
1: About work. And uh, just before I joined Walmart, we were living in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. I was general manager uh, for Frida Lay there. And my wife and I had agreed that when our two younger daughters were going to high school, we would get back to the States and we would try to stay in one place so they could finish high school in one place. And so when I started looking to get back uh, to the States, And I started talking to Walmart really, uh, it was about a CFO, regional CFO position. Um, But um, we had a very strong preference for Bentonville, Arkansas, believe it or not, because of the quality of the school system. Between Walmart, J.D. Hunt, and Tyson Foods, all of which are headquartered in that region, they had endowed the public school system uh, with a lot of talent they brought the number one high school principal in the nation the number one um, superintendent uh, which was from somewhere in Michigan and they had given the school so much money it was just unbelievable the amount of resources they had so that was a big factor in, in my decision I was there f- four years and uh, I enjoyed those four years but as you, uh point out, uh it was much narrower than anything I had done before. So after four years I was ready to
0: move on. So after four years he was ready to move on, as was uh likely his daughters who uh, would have completed their high school studies and went on to college, I wouldn't, would uh, imagine. You know, this must have been 20 years ago. Juan is thinking back, and this is what he remembers with such detail? This is the decision that he shares with us? That's not a mistake. There's a reason, as he looks back and reflects on his career, that this move looms large in his memory. It was a tightrope walk. Here's a family that's moved from Europe to South America to the Dominican Republic and now is transplanting themselves with two high school age daughters in the U.S. in Bentonville, Arkansas, where he begins a new job, takes on a new role with a new company. No stress. No stress here. There's a reason when he looks back. He reflects on the personal decision that on paper looked like a career detour. I asked a similar question to Diane Moorfield, CFO of Cyrus One, similar in the sense of I was asking her why she didn't jump to a CFO role sooner. She entered the CFO ranks in roughly, I guess, around 2007, and she's had multiple tours of duty as a CFO today. Uh, But turn back the clock. There was a time she had enough experience, I believe in her past, where she could have jumped to a CFO role. I asked, why not?
2: children. So one of the reasons I think I didn't try harder maybe to take a CFO role earlier in my career is my kids were younger, and at some point you have to make choices on how much can you balance. So it was probably more the personal side that held me back a bit, because the CFO role is way more intense than running investor relations, although the investor relations role was a very... uh, demanding job as well. So I think partly it's, it's personal choices you have to make along the road. So I think that was one of the drivers. And one of the other is, you know, sometimes I would think, you know, was I, was I ready to be a CFO yet? But again, you know, my husband supported my career as did I his, and, you know, somehow we did manage to balance it all, and I think our three kids are, are you know, pretty stable and functional.
0: No doubt Diane is a modest mom. And I have to say, uh, how many CFO couples do we think are out there? I think this is, uh, I, I think we better do a standalone episode and go back there. We want to find out how personal and uh, professional decision making is done inside the Moorfield home. <laughs> a while back, we spoke with Roy Austin who had for years resided in the accounting ranks of the Eastman Chemical Company. And only after there was a reduction in force and Roy took an early retirement package, he jumped in to a CFO role, first a controller and then a CFO role. What's interesting about Roy, and I think it's true uh, in regards to Juan as well, and both men are relatively retired, Roy keeps himself busy in a number of uh, consulting capacities, but we can say retired, I believe, is when they look back on their lives, their careers, professional and personal are much more intertwined. Uh, Whereas when we speak to executives or you speak to a current uh, executive, it's sort of like those two lives are separate in their minds. Once you retire, once you step out of the everyday professional life, Suddenly you look back and they're one. Anyway, this is my experience with Roy Austin. Here's Roy. Uh,
3: One of the lessons that I took a long time for me to realize was that hard work isn't enough. I mean, I had this uh, when I joined Eastman, which is a great company. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I had this naive idea that if I worked hard and did a great job, somebody would notice me and promote me. Um, And that, of course, is important. You have to do that. Um, But if I'm looking at the resume of two people, and and they both have the same credentials, the same experience, the same work ethic, and I know one of them, and I know what their personality is and how they would fit into my department, which one am I going to hire? it's pretty obvious. And I did not understand the, the importance of building relationships with people. Uh, and so I just kind of kept my head down and, and worked hard. Uh, but I did not really reach, you know, my goals in a career. And when they had the, uh, the reduction in force and I was eligible for their retirement program, I you know, to tell you the truth, I was burnt out. I thought, you know, my career's over. The uh, All the people... Supervisors here are younger than I am, um, and so I, you know, marched off into the sunset, so to speak, and then got an opportunity to go to Savannah. And as uh, my wife Sharon often says, very few people get a second chance at a career, uh, and I was very fortunate to be one of those. And uh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, and what I liked most about working for a smaller company in a large company was the fact that as a controller or a CFO, you get involved in everything. Um, at Eastman, you work three or four years in one desk or assignment and then get transferred to another one. So over 29 years, you've got a lot of experience, but uh, that took 29 years, and I always felt like in one year at Savannah Manufacturing, I got more experience than I did in 29 years at Eastman. Uh, that's not Eastman's fault. That was my fault. It was my fault for not uh, understanding how to build a career in a large company. And I made some mistakes along the way and, and made a couple people mad, being a little bit outspoken at times, um, and that didn't, that didn't help either. So, but, you know, you learn from your mistakes, uh, hopefully. Uh, if you don't, then that's an even bigger problem. I guess the the aha moment, if you will, is uh, really when I finally began to realize how important relationships were with people, it's not something that you do to try to gain things. It's just because you enjoy people and you enjoy helping them out. Um, And when those things started to click, uh, rather late in my career, shall we say, then uh you you know you go on from there Uh, i see a lot of bitter people in the world who uh, you know i went through a divorce in 1993 and the people that have the hardest time recovering are the ones that say it was all the other person's fault Uh, well if you can't admit that you made a mistake you can't learn anything if you can't learn anything then you can't grow as a person and you can't move on into the future
0: Once more, just to point out, when Roy looks back today, his professional narrative and personal narrative are now one. He reflects on his life as one, which finance leaders so often don't do as they build their careers. We'll be right back. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. One of the more compelling professional narratives that has been shared with us in the last 12 months was that of Kim Drapkin, CFO of Jounce Therapeutics. Kim was featured on episode 358. Throughout the episode, Kim shares insight into her professional and private life decision-making, the important balance that she has been able to achieve. Here's some of what Kim shared with us.
4: One is the finance side, and one is the industry side. So I've been fortunate to be in the biotechnology space, um, I think, for more than 20 years at this point, and I consider that as much a part of my career path as I do my route to get to the CFO. So I started out um, traditionally at Pricewaterhouse as a, you know a CPA and did my training there, honing uh, my skills in terms of Technical side, and once I left public accounting, I took my first role in a biotechnology company. And that company um, was a startup at the time, Millennium Pharmaceuticals. And I really was fortunate in that I spent 10 years at Millennium, and it was a period of incredible growth, and it was a time in which many transactions were happening. And so it was a tremendous training ground for me. I was able to be a part of you know, not only taking the company public, but doing multiple follow-on offerings, um, debt offerings, several acquisitions, um, you know, as a supporting player at, at that point in my career, but being exposed to those types of transactions and working with people um, across those really gave me a tremendous training ground. So I was fortunate um, in my career at Millennium. At different times, I worked for different CFOs. But towards the end of my tenure there, I worked for um, Marsha Panucci, who, you know, a female CFO. And, you know, we were talking about being a CFO and being a woman. And one of the things she said to me is, you often... Look at any situation that's presented to you and you think you don't have a choice. So if your child has a science fair and you have a big meeting at work, she said that, you know, in her younger years, she always made the mistake of saying, Oh, I I can't go to the science fair. I don't have a choice. I have to do this work thing. And, you know, she was older than I was and and had, had experienced these things. And she said to me, she's like, do me a favor. And every time you're faced with a choice like that, stop, look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm good at what I do and I do have a choice and every time I've been faced with a difficult decision particularly with family life balance or things like that I've always been reminded of that and it's a piece of advice I've sort of hijacked from her that I've given to other people and it really has helped me in a number of ways um, during my career and it's something that um, I thought was a great piece of advice.
0: Not unlike uh, Diane Moorfield, perhaps, decision-making on the home front impacted a number of the early chapters of the career of Charmaine Spence Rochester, CFO of Chester County Hospital. Uh, But few finance leaders, I think, have explained it as eloquently as uh, Charmaine did a few episodes ago. Here's what she shared.
5: the season of my career where, you know, I'm managing being uh, the wife of an active duty military member and a mom at the same time, success for me became knowing that my children felt happy and safe and making sure that my husband would look forward to coming home from a deployment. So I learned a lot about myself and what was important to me during that phase of my career. So the third phase of the third phase of my career is what I would call the the autumn phase which is another shift but now it the, the rhythm is changing as far as how I'm looking at my career So my husband at this point has retired from the Navy, so I'm no longer influenced by duty stations as far as my career is concerned. And I'm an empty nester. And so I'm making some decisions around who I want to be professionally. And this is when I decided to go back to school and complete my doctorate in health administration. And um, I made the decision about what I wanted to contribute to the workforce and you know how do I want to spend the time that I have to give pulling on everything I've learned so far and it was during this time that I made the decision to move to Pennsylvania and this is the first time that even though we've moved a lot in, in the 25 years that we've been married this was the first time we moved because I was making a career choice. So it, it, we're in this autumn season now where I think I can draw on everything that
0: And so, decision-making related to the home front. I'm feeling a little uh, thoughtful this episode, a little bit contemplative. If you have been to a funeral or wake recently for a professional colleague or friend, you may be in the same zone as me. I was at a uh, wake last night for someone I've known for 40 years. And uh, while we were not best friends, we always had a... Good amount of respect for each other and each other's families. And uh, what troubles me or what's given me pause is that he took his own life. And like so many others, I'm playing inspector today, looking for clues to explain how could that have happened. And uh, in my friend's case, it began with some bad decisions in his personal life which led to unrelenting stress on the home front, which led to challenges in his professional life and the deterioration of his mental health. And some might say, well, very often that's related to family history, and there may or may not be uh, truth to that in his case. Uh, But to me, there's little question that he couldn't escape the stress. He couldn't find a relief valve and if there was one he could no longer recognize it um, my takeaway I'd like to share simply don't make the mistake that career decisions aren't connected to home life and that home life decisions aren't connected to your career they're one and the same and home life stress will trump office stress every time Thanks for listening. Thought Leader listeners, whether you've already ascended into the ranks of finance leaders or have only just begun the journey, your professional narrative needs a reboot join our email list at cfothoughtleader.com and receive my latest email series, Finance and the Power of Narrative. It's time to mobilize the past to achieve your goals. Thank you for listening.